Against the Odds, AHC's inaugural podcast series featuring the true stories of real-life bands of brothers who exhibited unparalleled bravery, solidarity, and endurance on the battlefield to come out on top in a fight against impossible odds. Reliving battles from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and Iraq, these are the true stories of the harsh realities of war, as told by the veterans who survived to tell. I'm your host, Shane Bowler, and this week we present The Fighting Fox and the Road to Hell. When your chute popped open, you could hear the flat. Tracer bullets were coming right over our heads. The gutsiest unit in the whole 101st. We were first in Normandy, first in Holland, first in Bastogne. I don't think they realized at the time the huge responsibility that they had. The fate of our country and the fate of the world really depended on them. They proclaimed a situation to be desperate. We're the, the champions. You know, they're, they're depending on us. One Brotherhood. If I had to die, I want to die fighting for what I believe. Three bloody campaigns. We were all brothers, and he hurt when we lost one, like if he was your twin. And a destiny that would defeat the reign of a tyrant. This is their story. Against the Odds, The Fighting Fox in the Road to Hell. In the sunny spring of 1941, with the war in Europe raging mostly out of sight, America is still seven months away from the Japanese attack at Pearl Harbor that will pull us into the war. With the carefree American kids who will become Fox Company, they may have unknowingly caught a first glimpse of their fate in the newsreels of the day. Following the victories of their bold new airborne parachute troops in Norway, the German airborne blitzkrieg continues, now conquering the seemingly impregnable island fortress of Crete. Hitler's new conquest weapon drops from the sky something more dangerous than bombs. Lethal surprise. At the beginning of the war for America, they had been playing catch up with the other armies that were already at war. The airborne forces were dynamic. It was essential. It was a way to get behind the enemy lines and get troops into a position where they could stop the enemy from reinforcing their own troops. So because of that, the US Army decided that they needed to develop their own airborne forces. Basic training, Tacoka, Georgia, 1942. Bob Nudie, squad leader, Fox Company. Somebody came along and, and said that if we join the parachute troops, we receive $50 a month more. Didn't take me long. <laughs> My mother had six children at the time still at home, so she could certainly use the money. But I had still had no idea what a parachute was. Terry Poiser, co-author, Fighting Fox Company, 
the battling flank of the Band of Brothers. So for the guys that were joining up with the Airborne, the majority of them had that incentive from the recruiter that they were gonna get that extra $50 a month in their pay. Not realizing that $50 they were gonna get was because it's inherently dangerous and there's a risk of losing some of your soldiers because it is such a new concept before they even get to the ground. High officers are interested spectators as the platform hoppers do their stuff. They're mastering the proper... After 13 weeks of basic training at Tacoka, Georgia, those who have signed up for paratroop training are sent on to jump school at Fort Benning, Georgia. Everyone in the freshly hatched Fox Company is a volunteer for the new 101st Airborne Division. It will be here that they discover that the extra $50 a month is not bonus pay, but hazard pay. I saw a fellow jump from the, the high star that they have there, and he's shooting open when he jumped out. Nothing when he landed. Yeah, I saw two or three that guys, their parachute failed. And man, you get the jitters. Can, can that happen to me? So as these units were being formed and this company was being formed, they very quickly became uh, cocky from the fact that they had been able to survive this training. And they were also told by their instructors and the officers in the unit that they were better than the other units in the US military. A couple of my buddies, uh, they were so ticked off because they weren't getting any recognition. It was only the paratroopers. They asked for volunteers, and I said, put my name on that list. After three months of training on the ground and five complete jumps from above 1,000 feet, the ground boys of Fox Company get their jump wings and are entitled to wear their shiny jump boots that will soon become symbols of a spit and polished group of hellmakers known as paratroopers. But all the while, even as they prove themselves in this never-before-tempted tool of war, American command remains anxious to when these young men might be called into action. They are reminded daily of what they are up against. In Europe, the war is expanding as lethal, experienced German forces and a ruthless dictator continue to massacre hundreds of thousands and destroy complete armies that stood for hundreds of years. North Africa, 1942. Sicily, 1943. Leningrad, January, 1944. Monte Cassino, March, 1944. After months of grueling night and day training with chutes, weapons, infantry tactics, and hand-to-hand -hand combat, sharply honed Fox Company is in England, ready to stake its courage and brotherhood in the war's most high-risk and critical feat of arms, D-Day, the war-deciding invasion of France. Behind miles of daunting defenses, manned by battle-hardened Nazis, Adolf Hitler cannot imagine being undone by a thrown-together gang of untested American kids. But that unruly young mob, honed into a brilliantly efficient killing machine, is about to drop with a flying army behind his vaunted wall. 
the 150 Wild Boys of Fox Company will be up front in the thundering flotilla of C-47s carrying the 101st and 82nd Airborne Divisions into D-Day. Ahead lay an 11-month bloodbath against Hitler's Nazi hordes. Their untold story of incredible courage against the odds and Herculean sacrifice to overcome impossible obstacles to steal victory from a tyrant is one of the greatest stories of World War II. England Airfield On the morning of June 6th, some 17,400 Allied paratroopers and glider-borne troops, including the 150 men of Fox Company, board the immense fleet of over 1,300 troop carrier transports. With no experience jumping into real combat, many overstuffed their packs with as much as 250 pounds of extra gear. For some, it will prove disastrous. For all the precise planning of the last two years, their first combat jump into hostile territory will reveal inevitable and deadly miscalculations. The initial mission of the 101st and 82nd Airborne units is to land behind Omaha and Utah beaches to block and eliminate any German forces that might rush to reinforce the beachheads during the landings. The 150 men of Fox Company will seize Poopaville in an effort to provide a safe landing of the U.S. 4th and 90th Divisions on Utah Beach. Little will go as planned. On June 5, 1944, General Eisenhower visits the paratroopers. Bob Nudie, squad leader, Fox Company. The night that I met Eisenhower, I never forgot. Everybody wondering, you know, what the heck is going to happen. And a lot of good people would not come back. Terry Poyser, co-author, Fighting Fox Company, the battling flank of the Band of Brothers. I don't think they realized at the time the huge responsibility that, that they had. They all needed to be able to do what had been planned, otherwise the invasion would fail. The fate of our country and the fate of the world really depended on them. Art Peterson, machine gunner, Fox Company. Almost everybody was praying or silent without saying a, a word. They said, I hope I, I get out of this alive. George Koskamaki, radio man, 101st Airborne. As we approached the shore, all of a sudden it got real foggy and uh, and you couldn't see the ground. So while en route to the drop zones, the aircraft flew into heavy clouds. Because of that, the aircraft had to separate so they wouldn't collide with each other. Most of them didn't have the navigation equipment to put them on the right drop zones. Herb Rockwell, platoon leader, Fox Company. We started hitting flak from the German army. And then they kind of woke all those guys up. I know it did me because now I just knew that I'm, now I'm in the war. 
Major Legere, the jump master, said, France below. We had 10 minutes to get ready. And I saw there were two, two airplanes that were right near us. All of a sudden, they burst into flames. Then the green light came on. Go, go, go. When your chute popped open, then you could hear the flat. Tracer bullets were coming right over our heads. One thirty a.m. The thick fog and dense clouds over Normandy has caused many of the planes to veer off target, landing most of the paratroopers on the wrong destinations. With most of Fox Company and their fellow paratroopers lost, wounded, or dead, the mission falls to the individual ingenuity and boldness of the paratroopers. For the next five hours, the young warriors locate comrades, jury-rig squads and platoons, and scour for landmarks and roads in an effort to find their targets. Lightly armed Americans immediately begin to engage an enemy momentarily stunned to find themselves surrounded by bloodthirsty and trigger-happy kid paratroopers. But the battle-hardened Germans quickly rally and unleash their legendary savagery. I'd swear that they could, were gonna cut that head down because the bullets were flying right over our backs. At 6.30 a.m., with no confirmation as to the success of the paratroopers' efforts to eliminate German reinforcements inland, the main Allied landings begin. That morning, Hitler would not awaken until noon. He is immediately confronted with panicked pleas from his commanders to move panzer units to reinforce the beaches. But Hitler fails to act. It's not until later in the afternoon that the magnitude of the Allied landing at Normandy sinks in. Finally, at 4 p.m., Hitler approves requests for additional German troops to attempt to choke off the Allied onslaught. June 12, 1944, the village of Carrington. Inland, the men of Fox Company, with only the weapons they could carry, find themselves in the path of Hitler's armored juggernaut. It was at uh, point-blank range, with a tremendous amount of casualties to the unit. The men initially tried to fight them off using rifle grenades, uh, which just ended up getting people killed. I heard Bazooka Man and the first shell hit his uh, track and erupted that track because he couldn't seem to maneuver it after that. Boy, oh boy, that, that was heavy, really heavy fighting. Took an awful beating. You had to know you, you might be one of them. It just seems like with 10 men, we could have whipped 100.
Nudie's courage, along with others in Fox Company, has bought the critical time needed to bring the U.S. Sherman tanks from the 2nd Armored Division. Late in the afternoon, the German forces withdraw back into the forest around Carrington. Fox Company and the 506th, along with the 2nd Armored Division, has taken another piece from Hitler and Carrington is in American hands. But Fox Company has taken a heavy beating with three dead and 22 wounded. Omaha Beach, June 8, 1944. The invasion was a success because the paratroopers were able to take those crossroads, those bridges, those little villages, all the chaos and confusion that they caused behind the lines, stop the Germans from reinforcing Utah Beach, and allowed those troops to get ashore and head in to take the peninsula. They were not another guy, they were brothers. Every single one. And when we lost one of them, if they would have been your family, I think we fell in more. Two weeks later in Aldbourne, England. Despite the devastating losses, even as the exhausted, depleted paratroop units return to England, planning for a bold new mission is underway. Once again, Fox Company will be at the tip of the deadly spear. Their second epic showdown with Hitler will test their courage and determination in one of the most horrific battles of World War II, one that will throw the American front into chaos and leave the outcome of the European war hanging in doubt. By September 1944, the Allies have sustained heavy losses in casualties and equipment. Command launches Operation Market Garden, a controversial plan meant to bring the war to a quick end. Membury Airfield, Berkshire, England. In September of 1944, the Allies believe they have found a weakness in the German defense. They set into motion the largest airborne operation to date. Following quickly on the heels of the D-Day invasion, Operation Market Garden will be the lightning-quick offensive 70 miles to the north of the main Allied front that will attempt to outflank Hitler's forces and destroy them. The operation holds the potential to end the war in Europe by Christmas. Failing destroys valuable lives and resources, prolonging the war indefinitely. The brash plan calls for American and British paratroops to make a daylight jump into Holland to secure key bridges along a 64-mile stretch of highway from Eindhoven to Arnhem. A huge British armored column will then race north along the highway in an effort to cross the Lech River and turn the entire German right flank. The role of Fox Company in the 506th will be to assist in the seizing of the Wilhelmina Canal Bridge the massive, intricate plan has no room for failure for even one of its units. On September 17, 1944, the skies over Holland are darkened by over 1,500 transports and 478 gliders, bringing some 21,000 British and American soldiers in an all-out daring invasion of Nazi-occupied Holland. 
The paratroopers in Fox Company and probably most of the men in the division that had been in combat in Normandy, they realized that the darkness did give them some advantage. At least they weren't getting shot at while they were in the air. Now with the daylight jump coming at one o'clock in the afternoon over the Netherlands, a lot of guys on the plane ride over, they were concerned that going over in the daylight that they were gonna get butchered in the air. They have no idea what is waiting for them. Art Peterson, machine gunner, Fox Company. On the way to Market Garden, I got hit inside the planet with shrapnel. Everybody jumped out. I was told to stay in the plane and return to England. Five minutes later, the co-pilot said, we've been hit. So I had to jump, and the pilot and the co-pilot, they all got out. I was wounded, and the first person I see was Russell Schwind, my sergeant. And he looked at me, and I saw him. He said, well, what the hell are you doing here? Did I tell you to stay in the plane? I said, yeah, if I would stay in a plane, I'd be right over there, and I pointed where the plane crashed. At 1 p.m., Hitler learns of the invasion and quickly sees the mortal threat of Market Garden. He orders two panzer divisions to destroy the Allied advance now racing towards Arnhem. The fighting was constant. The fighting never seemed to stop. Making matters worse, many had been dropped into the hornet's nest of two formidable SS panzer divisions. Their incredible determination slows the German offensive, but unable to rest or resupply, the non-stop fighting is taking its toll on the unit. They're always low on rations, always seem to be hungry. They never got any rest. It was nonstop, it was relentless. The worst thing for the men was the attrition rate. Every day you would lose somebody. For the replacements, they saw guys who had fought in Normandy, who had come back, trained them, and then got killed in Holland. And then they realized if that guy can get killed, then nobody is safe. Herb Rockwell, platoon leader, Fox Company. Well, as we moved north up on the Hell's Highway, there was fighting every day. I could see Germans standing on top of the dike. They had captured or killed some of the guys right in their foxholes and I knew I had to do something. But every time I reached out of that foxhole, they started throwing grenades at me. And every time one of them would come, I just went blank. I always see the stars. There was only three of us out of the squad was left alive. All the rest of the squad is gone. On September 21st, 1944, at the critical bridge at Arnhem, barely 700 incredibly gallant British troopers, surrounded and under fanatic attack, are in a desperate fight to hold open the Allies' last gateway into Germany. But they are desperately outnumbered and running out of ammo. 
Fox and the 101st continue their battle to keep Hell's Highway open for the massive British 30th Corps, now sprinting to rescue the surrounded unit. As Market Garden unravels in mayhem, Hitler's ruthless Nazi juggernauts surge forward to finish off the Allied assault. But an unflinching Fox Company and the 101st meet the Nazi thrust head-on, throwing everything they have against the tide. With German reinforcements pouring into the battle, time is the enemy of the dwindling airborne units. Fox Company receives word that British attempts to seize the Arnhem Bridge, a move which would lay Germany open to an Allied attack and bring the war to a quick end, is failing. A small band of British paratroopers fighting for their lives at the bridge are now surrounded and cut off. With the Market Garden campaign collapsing, Fox Company and the 101st are rushed in to defend areas of recaptured Holland against escalating German forces. By the 26th of September, Operation Market Garden comes to an end. The expected four-day campaign has dragged on for more than 70 bloody days of non-stop fighting. Fox Company has lost over 50% of their company, but they've helped liberate over half of Holland. With 23,000 casualties, Market Garden has incredibly held off German advances, but has ended at a bloody stalemate. Although half of Holland has been secured, the crushing battle condemns the Allied strategy of quick victory tactics. The war will continue unabated. Terry Poyser, co-author, Fighting Fox Company, the battling flank of the Band of Brothers. After coming off the line in Holland, Fox Company had really taken a beating there. They were down to probably 50% of the company was still walking and not wounded. For the men of Fox Company and the 101st who had fought with valor and courage, Market Garden will remain a costly chapter in paratroop history. But for those rescued from Hitler's tyranny, they remain heroes. Bob Nudie, squad leader, Fox Company. The people in, in Holland and how joyful they were uh, because we had I can't say rescued them, but freed them from the tyranny that they had been experiencing. They were so grateful for everything we did, and we were so darn proud that we had done it, you know, on their behalf. Paris, France, December 1944. After Market Garden was over, the survivors of that combat, some of whom were survivors of the Normandy combat, were given passes. They went to places like Brussels, Paris, or London. Herb Rockwell, assistant platoon leader, Fox Company. The war is not ended yet, so what do we do now? You can't help but think about that, even though everybody seems happy. But it's got to be in the back of their minds. You try to think of where, where could we possibly have to go from here. Adolf Hitler has already decided that. 
Remembering his 1940 Ardennes Blitzkrieg that defeated France, he gambles all he has left in one final audacious offensive to forever be known as the Battle of the Bulge. Hitler has hurled the best of his hoarded SS and Panzer divisions against the weakly held sector of the American lines in Belgium. His audacious goal is to knife quickly through and within a week capture the Allies' indispensable supply port of Antwerp. Hitler is gambling that he could starve the vast opposing forces of fuel, supplies, cohesiveness, and willingness to fight on. He can then negotiate a separate peace in the West while turning to fight Russia in the East. In December of 1944, at Camp Mormillen, France, the desperate offensive has set the stage for one final showdown against Hitler's mighty panzer divisions. This time, Fox Company and the men of the 101st will finish what they started. It wasn't, but a few hours later they were told, get your rifles back out that are in repair, take whatever you can get, put on all the clothes that you can, because we're going back into combat. You had to load the truck as fast as you could, and you took whatever you had. A lot of people had no ammunition, some didn't even have rifles. Overcoats were at a premium. It just it caught us off guard, really. The reality is those the men in Fox Company went into combat, as did most of the guys in the 101st, with very little ammunition, without any winter clothing, and without any food. They're very limited in their medical supplies as well, so they weren't going to be able to treat anybody that got hurt. It rained and it was cold. We didn't really know what we was getting into. Fox Company, the men of the 101st, are headed for a small town whose very name will come to represent courage against impossible odds, Bastogne. It will place them directly in the path of Hitler's rampaging panzers in a do-or-die Ardennes Alamo that will decide the fate of the war in Europe. In this one final epic showdown, the incredible valor, courage, and sacrifice of a small group of paratroop brothers will once and for all seal the fate of Adolf Hitler. December 20th, 1944, Bastogne, Belgium. The whole world was watching what the 101st Airborne was doing. The news had been reporting in the States about the breakthrough, about the bulge, about the fact that the 101st was holding this little town of Bastogne. Well, the world knew that if they could not hold that position, the Germans would break through. The war may go on for years. That little town was the key to ending the conflict in Europe. It was either going to make or break Germany. And they proclaimed the, the situation to be desperate. And that, I think, made us feel kind of good. You know, again, we're the, the champions. You know, they're, they're depending on us. George Koskamaki, Radio Man, 101st Airborne. The buck stops here. You don't pass through us in this combat situation. 
I, I was so proud of them. Darn it. I, I just feel so excited inside of me that, that I was with all these gutsy soldiers. Art Peterson, machine gunner, Fox Company. We didn't have no rations, no food, no ammunition, no medics. That was worse than D-Day, worse than Holland, as far as I'm concerned. Where every day was hell. You slept, but you didn't sleep. At the moment when they said, get up and go, you were ready. You were ready. On December 22nd, after three days of nonstop fighting, frustrated by the furious paratroopers' defense and certain that they must be worn down and ready to quit, the Germans send a surrender team. At division headquarters, the 101st Brotherhood at Bastogne wait tensely for the reply of their short-fused commander, Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe. When we heard from the general that he got that note from the Germans, they wanted us to surrender. And he just answered with that one word, nuts. Go to hell. I will rather die right there than give my arm and sick. Go ahead and kill me. If I had to die, I want to die fighting for what I believe. With that one-word response, the American paratroopers make it clear we're not giving up Bastogne. As Hitler's clock for success continues to run out, the fight for Bastogne becomes desperate. On December 23rd, the German main advance widens and moves north and south of Bastogne. By day four, there are an estimated 54,000 German soldiers surrounding the American paratroopers. On December 25th, the Germans launch a Christmas offensive in a desperate attempt to break the grip of the 101st on Bastogne. By December 26th, the battle is over. The staunch defenders of Bastogne have succeeded in holding out against an overwhelming German armored force. Hitler's last hope for victory is lost. George Koskamaki. I was in what I thought the gutsiest unit in the whole 101st. Damn it, that was such a wonderful, wonderful unit. We were First in Normandy, first in Holland, first in Bastogne. Bob Nudie. To have been a, a part of Fox Company was really something to be proud of. I'm sorry I cry so easier. It's the thought of what it was like and what happened. We lost a lot of good people. Art Peterson. We were all brothers. 
and he hurt when we lost one, like if he was your twin. That's how much it hurt. And it's still the memory, it hurts me. The young men of Fighting Fox Company, always on demand and outgunned, have helped defeat Hitler in his own backyard. Of the original 150 members, 32 are killed in action, and only five would end the war unscathed. But the gallant, unstoppable band of brothers had secured forever their place among the heroes and legends of American military history. Their grit, courage, and audacity against the odds will never be forgotten. This podcast was produced by the American Heroes Channel. Join us next week for Against the Odds, The Rescue at Dog's Head, the story of Alpha Troop in their daring rescue mission at the height of the Vietnam War, a mission dubbed by many as the Anonymous Battle. I'm your host, Shane Bowler. Thank you for listening.